0: welcome to another episode of the triple f podcast joining today is a special guest justin from the root of good justin welcome to the show
1: thanks a lot Jay. glad to be here
0: justin you are one of the very few bloggers that i've met out there who's actually accomplished and achieved the dream of early financial independence what is it like you would say to have climbed the mount everest in our community, and is early fi something that you think is possible and obtainable for folks out there?
1: Uh, let me take the first part of the question. What's it like to reach the summit of financial independence? Uh, it's 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 pretty pretty great. I mean, I gotta say, um, I'm enjoying every day of it. I, I, I'm two and a half years into early retirement at this point. Um, I'm 35 now, but did did quit working at 33. It's it's been wonderful experience. Um, I don't really know that I had exactly in my mind what it would be like. You know, when I was saving up for it for about ten years, but just pretty much not having a schedule that I have to stick to every day. Not having to wake up and go to work for eight hours and having one or two hours in the evening before you know after chores and taking care of the kids and everything. Back to sleep. Back to work. Back to sleep. Back to work. I mean, that's that's no way to live. For forty or fifty years, uh, so I'm I'm a hundred percent pleasurably glad that I, I made the choice early on, you know, fresh out of college to save and invest and, and plan for financial independence, and very fortunate to have reached it at, at thirty three. So it's, it's you know it's it's hard to describe. It's not it's not like a uh, an explosion of bliss every day where you know I'm I'm like wow I'm early retired. It's more of just like okay. It's Sunday night. Everyone else is going back to work tomorrow. I've got you know. I'm going to go out hiking or go. I'm going to go swimming. I'm, I'm going to uh, play this new video game. I haven't had time to play yet. I'm going to read this book that I, that I've been waiting to read. I want to read it now. I'm, I'm going to binge watch House of Cards on Netflix. I mean, it's it's more like it's like a weekend every single day. So uh, that that part of it is just just incredible. And and as to whether anyone can do it. I think most people can do it. I'm not going to say anyone because, you know, it does take an income of some sort, whether that's from from hustling, starting your own business, real estate, investments, you know, going to college, becoming a professional. Uh, but somehow you have to get the income to, to put money into investments and or build your own business somehow. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone can make a ton of money. Um, I, I think middle class, upper middle class individuals, by and large, should be able to do it. If you go to college and you get a reasonably good job afterward, you know most people in America make tons of money compared to the the core living expenses that they, they should have. Um, even in high cost of living areas, I mean, even if you live in in a New York City or a Silicon Valley, you're going to have higher rent payments and some other some other cost of living will be more expensive. But there are also so many more job opportunities that pay even more money there. So, so there is that, you know, the offsetting higher incomes to pay for the higher cost of living. So I, I think it's attainable, but I think there are obviously lots of hurdles to do it because hardly anyone does it.
0: Justin, thank you for keeping it real with us. And I know that was a very open ended question. So, you know, I was just kind of throwing that out there um, just for fun. So they say that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Can you take us back to the, the origins of your story and, and your journey
1: yeah, I mean, I've always been frugal since, you know, since I was in um, middle school, high school. So, I mean, I, I started saving way back then, but um, I, I mean, I'll probably say it's really when I, when I finished up with college, my income went up a lot at that point. We, we just, we had more disposable income that we not knew what to do with. So uh, essentially we just started saving and started investing and didn't really have a lot of direction at that point other than just, we had this extra money, what do we do with it? Well, we don't waste it and spend it. We just we put it in some investments and save. Uh, then over the years I figured out a little bit more about um, low-cost index fund investing and you know d- ditching a traditional brokerage firm, going with Vanguard, going with a low-cost firm like Fidelity. So a lot of little things. I mean going to college even. Choosing to go to college, getting a degree in engineering, choosing to work in that field. That allowed me to have a high enough income to provide living expenses for our family and also to save plenty on top of that. We never made a ton of money. I, my income topped out at $69,000, which is a an embarrassingly small sum of money for a lot of people that, that do come from higher cost of living areas. But it's, you know, it's possible to do to to reach financial independence on a on a middle class income.
0: Can I ask you where you went to school?
1: Yeah, uh, for undergraduate I went to uh, North Carolina State University, where I studied engineering and uh, Spanish language and literature, oddly enough, and I, then I, for graduate school I went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, for law school, which I, I did not practice law for a living. I practiced engineering.
0: Oh, that's really neat. Would you say, um, you know, all along the course of your journey throughout school and uh, grad school, were you ever seduced by the temptation of kind of lifestyle inflation? Or is that something you know? Maybe it's innate within your your character and your personality, where you just never bought into the whole concept of lifestyle inflation. Um,
1: I, I think I was largely immune to it. Uh, I kind of describe our lifestyle now as as sort of living like college students, you know, plus having three kids, which is very different for most college students. But uh, we live in the same house that we bought actually during law school. We drive. We drive older cars. We still own the same car that we bought back in undergrad. We did just purchase a new minivan, but you know, for, for 16 years, we've been driving the same cars we bought back in, in, in college. So um, in terms of lifestyle inflation, there hasn't been a whole lot of it. We do take more international vacations now. Um, we, we probably buy more wine and champagne and caviar and, and a little bit nicer, higher, more expensive foods, but we're, we're living on twenty five to $30,000 a year. Um, I'm, I'm trying to spend more money, but we're just innately frugal. It seems like
0: Was the uh, thought of early five? Did it ever cross your mind during the early years or is it something that just kind of developed since you know You were kind of witnessing for yourself. I'm saving all this money. I'm investing so much every month um, You know, I'm probably um, doing even better than I first anticipated, you know, when I first got the job
1: Yeah, it, I, I think Pretty early on, within the first couple of years of, of working full-time, um, I was researching something online, uh, actually how to withdraw money before 59 and a half without paying a penalty. I stumbled onto the 72T rule, and then I, I stumbled onto the early retirement forums, which is a community of people that are focused on early retirement, and that's when you know this concept of... Uh, I, it kind of crystallized in my mind that there it's not just you know saving money for some indefinite future retirement it's saving money for early retirement whenever you can do it whenever you can make the numbers work and so initially i planned on working about uh 10 years longer till about 2024 i found a spreadsheet i put together that said i needed uh 2.5 million dollars and i'd have it by 2024 and so i you know that's that was what I was thinking back then, that it would take about 20 years of working full-time. And I guess, you know, our, our expenses probably stayed flat, maybe even declined. Our, our incomes went up some, but not a whole lot. So we, we ended up hitting the number um, a lot sooner than I thought we would. And we also, we ended up retiring with um, much less than $2.5 million. It was around $1.4 million probably.
0: It's uh, kind of interesting how that all works right i remember when i was first starting out in my engineering career and i wasn't you know more than three years in and you know i stumbled also upon one of those early retirement kind of calculators um online and i really didn't know what to expect for you know just for fun i decided to input some numbers and i think the first time i ran it it said you know you're supposed to retire at like 63 or something like very close to the normal retirement age the first time i ran it even though i didn't really know what to expect and i didn't know what reality you know really was i i, I was kind of just really surprised you know in my own experience i live in a, a relatively expensive market for for a cost of living and kind of the, the the people that i ran across who actually did retire you know they 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 had investment vehicles that kind of um, allowed them that kind of opportunity and where I'm coming from in San Francisco Bay area most people here accomplish early retirement through you know the use of uh, real estate. Um, so in, in your career would you say um, you know what, what was the most important and the best investment decision that, that you made for yourself? Well, we, we did own a rental condo we bought
1: a place For for law school, we stayed there for a few years and then ended up renting it out for a year or two and then sold it. We made maybe $30,000 or so, $20,000, $30,000 on it. So, you know, some money early on, which helped. But the the biggest investment for us has been putting money into low cost passive index funds uh, just month after month, investing it uh, through the paycheck from 401k automatic contributions every month, uh, just Putting in money routinely every month for around ten years and letting it compound. Um, we kept investing through the lows back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, you know, we, we didn't shy away from making additional contributions when we could. I, I put every single penny I could into the market at that point. So, um, but that's that's yeah, that's it. I mean, low cost passive index funds is what got us here.
0: Yeah, especially in 2008, 2009 timeframe, that was probably the best time, or at least that I've seen in in my life to kind of aggressively get into investing and, you know, particularly the low cost index funds, which, you know, I'm actually a huge fan of myself. Throughout my career, I, I put basically all that I could save into these, uh, you know, low cost Vanguard funds uh, through my employer through the 401k program and and the matching and you know, they've done so well in in such a short period of time. Um, When it comes to these index funds, do you have particular preference or is it kind of just the total index fund that kind of uh, encompasses, you know, the S&P 500 or Dow Jones or one of the uh, indexes?
1: Um, I've got an overly complicated portfolio that, I mean, I'm okay managing it. But it, it's, it runs the gamut from large-cap uh, S&P 500 index fund to small-cap, small-cap value, REITs, uh, international REITs, international value, international small-cap, emerging markets. So so there's it's about 10 different slices, 10 different asset classes within the portfolio, some of which are pretty stable, mundane stuff like the S&P 500. And some of them are insanely volatile like emerging markets small cap international you know they go up or down three percent per day pretty pretty often but but it's just this, you know it's five or ten percent of the portfolio so it's not really driving any big trend in the portfolio it's just it adds up
0: have you ever made a concentrated effort to kind of target kind of uh, a high yielding dividend or are you kind of just you know just buy the the index fund and Kind of whatever the the yield happens to be at that time, just um, just go with that. And once you've invested enough over a long enough period of time, the cash flow or the passive income will will kind of take care of itself.
1: Um, I, I've never really focused on dividend investing that much. I mean, I, I you know I get two or three percent from my portfolio just because it's um, international investments are in there and and REITs are in there. So I don't focus on dividends, uh, and and really it's just been whatever asset class is underbalanced is where I'm tossing the money. And so lately that's been um, a lot of emerging markets, international value, so just whatever asset class is beaten down at the moment.
0: Justin, when it comes to early FI and somebody just starting out, would you say saving or investing aggressively is the more important component?
1: Um, I think saving a significant portion of your income is probably more important just because if you're not saving 20, 30 or 50 percent of your income, uh, it's going to take you quite a while to get to early retirement. And that's really because it means you're spending the rest of it. So if you're spending 90 percent of your income and only saving 10 percent, it's going to take you a very long time, no matter how aggressively you invest. It's going to take you a very long time to save up enough money to replace 90 percent of your income. Now, in terms of investing aggressively, I think that's an excellent idea, especially when you're very young. Um, we did that ourselves, and knowing that you know this could blow up and anything we invest in could, could blow up and get cut in half overnight, and it actually did happen back in 2008 and 2009. We lost around half of the portfolio value by the bottom of the market in 2009. That said, the market turned around drastically around March of 2009, about seven years ago from right now. Uh, it just The market just turned around and went tearing off and you know, produced double-digit returns most of the next four or five years. And so by continuing to invest during that down market, uh, when everyone else was scared to put any money in the market and they were selling out, we just kept piling money in there and it just built up year after year, uh, you know, 29, uh, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, just kept piling money in there. So. I think you know. I think they're both very important. Probably savings rate is a, a bigger determinant than how aggressively you invest, though.
0: What would you say gives you the conviction to keep pouring in money into investments that you know you see and you're looking at daily or weekly, and they're just you know they keep going down in value, and everybody around you, all your coworkers, are are scared to invest. Um, you know what gives you kind of that fortitude to just keep going at it?
1: Just getting into the practice of, of routinely making investments the, uh, f- from, the, from, the finance, from the personal finance side, we only needed half of our income or less to, to survive. I mean, we only needed about half our income to pay the mortgage, put gas in the car, put food on the table, that sort of thing. So we if we lost the other half of the income, it's not a big deal. I mean, we're not going to be out on the street homeless. So we'd be Okay. So, so part of it is not needing that other half of the money, and knowing that our lifestyle would not be impacted if, if we did lose a lot of the money that we were investing at the time. Um, having that that freedom, that flexibility, to to know, hey, it's okay if it goes down even more. We'll just keep investing, and and it, and you know, being a, being a historian, a, a student of the market, and knowing how in the past there's been a stock market crash every 10 years or so five or 10 years um, there's recessions routinely you know the economic cycle goes up and down two three five six years is usually the distance and the time in between recessions um, I, I had experienced the dot-com crash back in the early 2000s i, I don't remember the the nineteen eighty seven crash, but it recovered quickly. You know, the post nine eleven, the dot com crash that ended after a few years. So I think I think living through one of those cycles helps you realize that it's not different this time. And I I don't think it's different this time either. I mean we we've just came through one in twenty fourteen and early twenty fifteen, pretty big market correction, or at least, you know, technical correction, twenty percent down or whatever a bear market is. Going through it once, learning that it goes up, it goes down, long-term, it's always gone up, and it'll probably keep going up in the future. Um, focusing on understanding the fundamentals of what drives market returns, it's growth of the economy, growth of corporate profits, gains in efficiency lead to those growths in corporate profits, uh, knowing that that most likely will keep happening for the indefinite future, uh, appreciating that as just kind of you know the, the background system in which the market operates there's understand there's going to be fluctuations year to year in terms of people get scared they sell it goes down people get greedy they buy it goes up it happens all the time but you know measure it by decades and not, don't measure it by days or
0: weeks so what you're saying is essentially you know tune out the noise focus on the big picture just keep at it and eventually it's, it's going to work out in your favor uh, you know if you use history as a guide so for yourself when did you know it was just about time to walk away and uh, do something else
1: Okay, I got actually got let go from my job, so it was a little bit easier for me to say to, to have that decision of you know do do I do I search for a new job or am I financially ready? Uh, and so it took me about a day to realize, no, I'm actually okay. I'm I'm ready uh, financially. Financially, we're fine. Um, you know, we had um, a little bit over a million dollars at the time, so you know we were covering our expenses much less than. We're we're spending much less than four percent of what we had saved, so you know we knew we were fine financially. You know, the bigger question for me after I get let go suddenly was just, am I ready psychologically? You know, is this it? Is this really the end of, of my career? Um, and and I was a little bit more uncertain about it from that point of view. So I mean, I floated some resumes and talked to people, but just didn't really have the motivation to to go back and and uh, get back to the grind, as they say.
0: It's nice to be in a position of power, wouldn't you say? Where you are let go and uh, life throws you kind of a curveball, you are well situated enough where you don't have to kind of force yourself to do something that you don't necessarily want to do.
1: Yeah, that's that's a huge advantage of uh, aiming for financial independence. It's there, there's a lot of advantages that come e- even if you're halfway there. Um, you know, if, if you're aiming for having a million dollars and then quit working. Well, even if you get halfway there and you have a half million dollars in the bank, you have a lot more flexibility to say what you want to say at work, try out new positions, even though you know you might fail, stop working completely, take a year or two off, go out on your own, do freelancing, do contracting, knowing that you don't need a paycheck to survive, knowing you can fund yourself for you know two or three or ten years without a paycheck if you have to it's a very empowering position to be in uh even if you don't have a hundred percent of what you need just just being halfway there being a quarter of the way there having enough to survive for a couple of years is, is very very empowering
0: i think uh that's the perfect way to put it as you just described because i think a lot of times a lot of people lose sight you know of kind of the progress they're making i kind of liken it to i guess somebody who's starting out a new workout routine for the first time you know if you're looking at yourself in the mirror every single day you don't really notice the the kind of the subtle changes in the progress that you're making i know as it pertains to early fi a lot of people feel like you know they have this passive income target and they kind of have to meet that and if they fall short of it then it's like everything they've accomplished up to that point is you know for not and i've kind of always wanted to kind of share those thoughts on the blog anyway where you know the the incremental progress you're making is is extremely valuable and it does allow you kind of that flexibility and the empowerment like you said where if you find yourself in a situation that's not agreeable Um, you can kind of walk away and try something else. You don't have to be, you know, 100% definitive early five, but you can enter, as they like to call it these days, pre-tirement where you're kind of halfway between full retirement and, you know, having to work the nine to five. Um, You know, it it opens up a lot of doors uh, for you. And, you know, like right now, I kind of find myself in that situation where I'm not stressing out the numbers too much. I just knew that it was time to try something new. So I'm just going to try it because I think I'm well-situated enough anyway where even if things don't work out perfectly, I, I have definitely a lot more options now than, than I did before.
1: Yeah, that's, I, mean, I think it, you're in that right mindset of appreciating the resources you have available and I don't like to make commitments for you know what I'm going to do two or five or ten years out. Um, I may want to go back to work. You may want to go back to work. You may find something in a totally different field you want to do that's just different and interesting to you. Uh, it's, it's just great to have those options out there.
0: So Justin, now that you are, you know, kind of living the dream, as they would say, um, what's a typical day like for you?
1: Um, wow, so I, I'm a, I'm a father of three. Uh, my wife, uh, she actually recently joined me in early retirement. She was working part-time, half-time for the last six months, eight months, and so so we, we in the last month or two, it's been great. We, we, we've been just hanging out. The weather's been abnormally warm for North Carolina, so we've been outside a lot. Um, going swimming, going hiking, uh, going to the park with the, the youngest kid, um, out walking around the neighborhood, just hanging out. I, I mean, I'm a stay-at-home dad, I guess you could say. Both of us are stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dad. So, you know, we, it, it's get up in the morning, walk the kids to school, walk through the park, hang out there sometimes, come home. You know, if we have some, if we got to go run an errand, go shopping maybe. So during the day, it's just kind of laid back. Read it this morning. I got up and read, read a book for an hour. I've been wanting to read this book and, and uh, just have been really busy this week, incredibly busy. So I sat down and just enjoyed reading a book for an hour. No one bothered me. It was it was wonderful. Um, I, I like to work in an hour of video games here and there, you know, when I can, watch a little Netflix. Um, so that's kind of the daytime, you know, the daily routine. We also enjoy traveling. So in the summer, uh, when the kids are out of school, we'll, we'll go off for a month or two and, and take a big trip somewhere. Two years ago, it was Canada. One year ago, it was uh, Mexico for two months. And this summer, I think we're going another road trip, uh, going up through the kind of the Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan area into Canada uh, for about another month, we're stopping by Niagara Falls. So it's it's you know it's it's kind of a, a tale of two cities for us. Where during the school year, it's it's more laid back. We're, we're around the house more. We're we're out in the neighborhood and, and going to parks and local stuff. And then. In the summertime, we kind of blow it out and and go on a big trip usually.
0: Justin, that sounds so awesome. And I got to say, I mean, you know, just hearing that, it it just really inspires me. And it makes me also just want to go out and, you know, live life and just experiment with different activities, just try new things out. Um, That's that's amazing. With that said, once someone is post-Fi, the question I kind of get asked a lot is, is investing something that's still on your mind? How often would you say you actually even tune into the markets or you kind of at the point where you're just letting these things run more or less on autopilot,
1: I'm pretty much on autopilot at this point. I, you know, I, I usually will see how the market does maybe once a day, or once every other day, just because it's up on you know the news sites or whatever. I, I don't don't really routinely check it on any investments to to manage them. I've, I'm trying to think of the last time I rebalanced probably in January or last last December. So I. I just, I very, very rarely actually make any buys or sells in my portfolio. And it's really just to rebalance. So, I mean, I I spend just almost no time really managing my my investments because they're passive index funds. They just sit there and, you know, Vanguard charges me 0.0 something percent and they make money over the years and they they pay out dividends and I collect those and transfer them to checking account and, and, and try to spend them. And so, I mean, the way I invest, it is just not. Time intensive at all. It's very, 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 very simple, passive approach.
0: There's a lot of uh, elegance where you're basically 100% free, and these these passive income streams are completely passive. Because I know for myself, I I deal with real estate and and connect with a lot of other real estate investors. And you know, a a lot of these people, even the ones with uh, big ambitions and, and aspirations, who accumulate dozens or hundreds of units. I mean, you know, yeah, sure, they're bringing in a lot of cash flow, but every single day they're basically answering emails and phone calls and there is um, that kind of a uh, you know downside to kind of just chasing after more and more and more because it, it kind of comes with a price
1: yeah that's that's I think that's a uh, an important distinction between real estate investing versus uh, a passive index fund investment approach uh, not that one is right or wrong or better or worse it's just you know the the index funds really can be truly passive, where you spend five minutes a year. Uh, you spend more time on taxes for them probably <laughs> than actually managing the investments. That's certainly my case. But whereas the real estate investments, you know, you, you're good. Even if you have a manager, you got to make sure your manager's doing their job. And you you got to you know take. Is, is a harder tax picture. Oh yeah, um, you're gonna have to make those those executive decisions with the properties, and so. You know, you can get to the point where it's mostly passive if you outsource literally everything. But if it was me, I mean, I know I'd want to be at least a little bit more hands on to make sure that things are running optimally. Um, if if I did have a, a, a rental right now, which I, I don't, and I'm I'm glad that I don't have that that pressure or, or, the, or the I have to worry about that. You know, we can just travel whenever. So, but I, I may get back into it at some point in the future. I I don't know. I haven't ruled it out.
0: That's the beauty of early five. You, uh, it's kind of, it's up to you at this point um, to do what you want. You can be as aggressive or as passive as you want. Um, do you want to share with listeners any future plans or or goals that you have?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I pretty, I kind of have this outlook of like I don't really know what's coming up more than about two years out. So I, I, I know. I expect to be living here in the same house in Raleigh uh, two years from now. Uh, My kids will be two years older, so it means the school situation will change. Beyond that, I mean, I have no idea. Um, You know, we we may pack it all up and sell everything and go and travel around the world. Um, Probably not. You know, I don't think that's going to happen, but that's, that's something that we've talked about and said no, probably not. And, and with kids, I mean, it changes every every year or two, you know, there's different things going on with them and their lives, and um, so that's, you know, that's that's the biggest changes that I see, but otherwise, um, I'm just going to keep on keeping on, just, I, I kind of live this lazy, laid-back lifestyle here, and it's uh, very enjoyable, and, and, and just incredibly busy, um, I, I wish I had more free time, which sounds ridiculous uh, for, for, for an early retired person to say, but um, I, I find that you know, usually by 11 p.m. or midnight, I'm just like, oh, I wanted to do this, and I don't have time for this <laughs> now, you know, I have to go to bed, because I have to get up tomorrow morning, and, uh, but it's okay, I mean, I, it's, you know, get up, leisurely walk, it's a nice way to start each day, so, yeah, I, for for future plans, um, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I don't really have any, any big plans, goals, or ambitions, um, I'm, uh, other than just enjoying life.
0: So, point blank, does Early Fi live up to the hype?
1: uh absolutely yeah I, i'm uh i'm a big cheerleader big big uh big proponent of it obviously uh, i mean i think it's kind of what you make of it so if i think if you're one of those people that gets bored easily if you get bored on the weekends and you're like antsy on sunday night because you have nothing to do i think you'll probably be a pretty big failure in early retirement probably won't enjoy it that much unless you can find those things that keep you engaged and busy and which may be you know working on something, working part-time or working at a job or working on um, a hobby, working on some kind of consulting and freelancing thing or or a real estate business, you know, owning some rentals. I think it's just you've got to know yourself and know what do you you enjoy doing and do you you enjoy um, some solitary activities because if you're 30-something and retired, most likely your 30-year-old friends are also going to be work while you're you're hanging out during the day, so understanding the changes that you'll see uh, when you do retire early uh, is, is a big part of getting that fulfillment out of it. And I think I was pretty well aware of it. And, and it's, I mean, still, there's just tons of you know I'm somewhat of an introvert, so there there's tons of social engagements where I'm at some point I'm just kind of like you know I need a day off. I just want to just crawl up crawl up in my shell and just uh, not have <laughs> to see anybody and talk to people. So
0: yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's totally up to you. It's your choice. It's your time. It's your freedom. I'm pretty introverted myself. I actually don't even um, enjoy talking very much. So, you know, the fact that I'm forcing myself to record these podcasts, I mean, for me, it's kind of a challenge in a sense where, um, you know, yes, it's, it's by choice, but it, it's, it's also that I want to work on something that I know that I'm not very good at. So with that said, Justin, are there any last words you want to leave with listeners?
1: Uh, I'm just saying, you know, if you're young starting out, save what you can, save it early, save often, invest, make money now while you're young, plan for the future, and you never know what will happen. So uh, Probably something good will come out of it.
0: So you heard it here, guys. Early five does live up to the hype, so you definitely want to keep at it. Justin, thank you so much for your time. If readers want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do so?
1: Um, well, check out the blog, rootofgood.com. I'm also on Twitter at rootofgoodblog, one word, and uh, you can search for Root of Good on Facebook. I'm on there, too. Those are probably the best three ways to reach out to me, and there's, you know, if you want to email me or contact me or tweet or Facebook me or whatever, there's a contact form on the blog if you want to reach out that way. So stop by and check it out. I talk about a lot of, um, you know, personal finance, early retirement finance, uh, taxes, what's going on in my life, the the psychology of early retirement. So, um, you know, a lot of the same stuff that you'll see at FI Fighter. So, stop on by. hope to see you all.
0: Justin, thank you so much for your time.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Jay.